Hello and welcome everyone to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore presented by Bike911.com. I'm your host, Greg White, and joining me as always, Jason Pridmore. Jason, how are you? Is this Love Line? What is this you're doing? Good good times. Good times. It's good times. You know what it is? Yeah. I saw Shreddy you know, Balls. I saw Shreddy Balls. <laughs> it popped up in the feed. Did it. Good old Shreddy Balls. Yeah. And ladies, if you act now for a limited time, you can order your, get a nice holiday gift basket, Shreddy Ball Sack. Mm. Dude, one of my favorites. Every time around Christmas, it usually starts popping up, doesn't it? It does. It Gee, does. Up, we're in dude, November. Ha- Halloween we are in November. in November. I know, November. dude. What is up? Did, were you home for Halloween? Did you get trick-or-treaters? I got home. I uh, I was gone for a week, and I got back from Chuck Wallace Sunday night. Because mm-hmm. I had some stuff I had to do Monday. So, um, yeah, I was home for – dude, we didn't have hardly any trick-or-treaters. Like, none. And, and Oh, really? Yeah. And I saw some uh, some posts from friends that, you know, they live in, like, condo complexes, like a couple few of them. And they're like, we had 300 kids. I'm like, wow. So, I we like had, Halloween. Halloween's we had one, fun. I love Halloween. We had one last year. And then we had uh, eight, eight this year. So wow, the yeah, during the COVID year, they tried to cancel it or something, and uh, yeah. so everybody just put like candy out on the porch and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we did that. I like I get listen, I can buy a bowl because I always overbuy like a Moronski. I'm same. so when I get I'm there, same. I'm like I'm like just take a handful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I got a buddy of mine who lives out in the country, and he takes his kid who's seven takes his kid to a neighborhood where they give out the whole neighborhood gives out full-size candy bars i'm like no where was that way. when i was a kid no kidding and now you it was a good thing about living in california posting, though the, now the, i saw videos like multiple videos of people posting where they did what you said they just kind of put candy out mm-hmm. and kids are coming along with backpacks and just taking all the candy and i'm Dude, like, the kid who flipped the people off on the on the ring oh, camera with the wouldn't backpack? it have been great though if that if that door wouldn't have reopened what if they locked that door and not oh, yeah. let, and he couldn't have got out. Can you imagine? That would have been that hilarious. Been, but like, yeah. it just kind of goes to show what you know what we're dealing well, with. Well, my those, my friend Jim and, and his wife, adults. <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we took our kid and we gave him the little plastic pumpkin." I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "How could you deny your kid?" They're like, "What did you What did you use to trick or treat with?" I'm like, "A pillowcase, like a, yeah, like pillowcase a king size pillowcase." They're like, "Seriously?" I go, yeah, because like when I was really at prime trick or treating age, we lived in San Jose, Jay. So it Which was is like know, how 42 Cali years old, by the way, for him. Go on. What? Huh? Huh? It was, huh? It was you know, house to house to house to house. So, you, I mean, you could crush you could crush an entire pillowcase in a couple hours in Cali. Yeah. You know, houses are just on top yeah, of each no, other. No, you absolutely could. But I think as a little kid, as a little, little guy, when you're very first getting started, you got to have that. You got to have that pumpkin, you know. Um, yeah, the little pumpkin. To, to, to get all your, but it's, yeah, the little pumpkin carrier to get all your... Uh, you know, you stand at the door with a little pumpkin holding there and you, you're in your Batman costume or whatever you're in and you're just looking at the people like an idiot. So, and they just put candy in there and you go, well, well this you, is pretty cool. We need to do this you know every what? day. None of the kids said trick or treat. Everybody really? said happy Halloween. Nobody said trick or treat. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Times have changed, G-Dub. What are you going to do? Changing. Wait, wait. What are you going to do? Hey, dude, dude. What are you going to do? Hey, what are you going to do? Gonna, I can tell you what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to talk about MotoGP because we got yeah. the finale coming up this season. And, oh, Jason. All this season or this press. weekend? This, this weekend? This weekend to spend yeah. the season. Yeah, I got it. And then wow. we're going to talk about some Mariah news. If you want to support the channel because you like what we're doing, head over to patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. We appreciate that. And, um, Yeah. That's it. So why don't we just get into the news presented by Arai. 
Hey, have you ever tried a helmet on in the store, then rode it for a few hours to find, hey, it might be a little bit too tight? Or maybe you put on a little bit of weight. I mean, it is the holiday season, you know. Put on a little bit of weight, find the same thing. Don't worry about it. If you own an Arai helmet, all Arai models come equipped with some removable foam layers from the cheek pads and the temple area of the liner. You can adjust your fit by removing these five millimeter layers if you need to. Just another great reason to go check out AraiAmericas.com for more information. That's AraiAmericas.com. They got a new helmet launch coming up, JP, that I'm going to in December. That's nice. embargoed. It's embargoed until January, though, so I can't share any of it until January. Got it. But anyway, right. yeah, I'm excited. Where are you about going? You're coming out. You're, I forget where you said you're going, but I know you. you I know you're going somewhere. LA. So yeah. LA. Oh yeah, coming out here. Yep. Great. Yep. Nice. Coming out to the LA. So I actually have three trips <clears throat> scheduled. So we we might do the podcast that week right from the convenience of your own Let's home. Do it. Your boy yeah, Jeff's out anyway. there, right? Our you know our boy Jeff there. He's coming. Jeff he's, Wheel. He'll be yeah, coming out. Y'all sorted. Yep. Nice. He does. Love yeah. It. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, just for Sunday night. So then I don't leave until Wednesday. So, but uh, hey, why is this hey. music not turning off? Hey, uh, okay. Look, I'm not sure how many people are aware of this, but by 2024 in MotoGP, the fuel used in the race bikes, they're going to be required to use 40% non fossil, whatever, fuel, I guess, you know, in the origin of the fuel. So only 60% or less can be fossil fuels. Well, Repsol is a company that makes these types of fuels, Jason. And Mark Marquez will be testing some of those fuels in the RC213VS. That's that street bike in Madrid in Jarama mm. um, on November 10th. There will be a press conference, too, after he gets done testing. What do you think about the idea of less fossil fuels being used in racing, just in general? I know we haven't really ever talked about it. Wow. You know, I've, I've never really thought about it, if I'm being fair. It's not something I've, you know, it's been on the top of my my mind. I mean, the amount of testing and stuff that I think it will be required to get that you know to probably to work um as well as things are now i just think you know look the people that the people that work on this kind of stuff are so brilliantly minded to, to find a way to still get the horsepower out of the bikes and do all those things that need to happen will be uh will be interesting to see how it, how that works you know um yeah i mean you know formula one's hybrid technology the correct the, the fossil fuel stuff i mean i think it, it, it benefits racing from the standpoint of Racing wants to be the leader. They want to be the mm-hmm. leader in development, whether that's engine technology, frame technology, brake technology, or even fuel technology. So I like the direction that they're taking from that perspective because Correct. there's a lot of crap that goes on in the world <laughs> revolved around fossil fuels that if stuff starts getting made in the lab, I think it's uh, it's only going to benefit society in the long run, I guess. So he's testing it this November. So he's testing it like after the weekend of uh, Valencia and then on a, but on a street bike at a different racetrack. Is that what I'm, is that what you're saying? Yeah. You remember Harama? Harama? I do remember Harama. It's one that I haven't heard from in a long, long time. Yeah, me either. When I read it, I was like, wow, I, I think GP used to go there in the 90s, perhaps. Oh, or yeah. Something. Yeah, yeah. No, they did. They did. Yep, yeah. So he's right. going there on that, on that RC213 VS, which would make sense because... A street bike, you know what I mean? Again, I don't know how this fuel is going to work. I know that, you know, with the ethanol and stuff that we deal with now, which is corn-based, you know, additive that they put in fuel, if the ethanol content gets too high, it can affect motorcycles, lawnmowers, like these, you know, certain types of, I think, higher combustion engines. But to be completely frank, Jay, I'm I'm, I'm way out of my pay range. You know, I just know a little bit about it. I don't know enough about things with the AMA. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I know that it's, it's, 
it's an environmental debate. It's a political debate, two of things of which I don't really get that much involved with. I just look at it from the perspective of, I think it's a good move for MotoGP, you know, to look at going greener just as a, as a, you know, overall statement and a direction, but more importantly, to continue to show that racing leads the way in development for whatever, whether it be cars or motorcycles or racing mm-hmm. lawnmowers to moving forward. So I think, I think overall, that's a good idea. Now, Jay, yeah. here's another kind of thing I'm going to throw. It's kind of sideways. So if you look at Ducati and BMW have announced updated superbikes, right? The new Pentagali V4R is updated horsepower, updated aerodynamics. The BMW M1000RR gets an overhaul after one season, but BMW claims that they have their new aero package and with the same exact power plant in stock trim, meaning stock M1000RR, it's going to go from 190 mile an hour top speed to 195 miles an hour top speed. That's out of a 212 horsepower bike at 14,500 RPM. Um, that's just with aero, G-Dub, huh? Just with aero, dude. Wow. And this is really what, like, the, if you think about the last three seasons in MotoGP, they haven't really been able to do a lot of development around their bike, especially with COVID right. freezes and all that kind of stuff. Most of what you see from Ducati isn't always horsepower, it's aero. And so, you know, a lot of the talk is, okay, aero package like Yamaha, their aero package is going to possibly solve their problems this season, blah, blah, blah. But my question is, is that on the street bike side of things, the big four don't seem to be doing much. I mean, we see it looks like Yamaha's all done with their with their you know uh, R one that they're going to be wrapping up production of that thing. You see, you know, uh, Honda offers the SP one whatever it is the CBR one thousand RR dash RSP only. I don't even think they sell the CBR one thousand in streets and you know street bike anymore. You don't see the ZX ten coming out with a lot of aero updates. It's different for us, Jay, right? Like normally when we were growing up, the Japanese were pushing everything, but now we're starting to see Ducati, BMW, like these these different companies do this. What are your thoughts about the effort that BMW and Ducati are putting into their their leader bikes versus what the Japanese are doing? But but Craig, don't you remember us having this conversation prior when Yamaha went all in when everybody else was pulling out? Like yeah. they went all in with the R6, they went all in with the R1 and everything was Yamaha. And what's funny is, Everybody else was pulling back. Everybody else was like, we're not building this. We're not doing that. And and next thing you know, Yamaha just comes in and just basically has dominated the market as far as street bikes with R6s and R1s. And, and I mean, you go to a racetrack four years ago, it was Yamaha everywhere. And it still is a lot like that because they have such good products. So um, I think with with like even you look at the Kawasaki 636, hasn't changed a ton over the years. It's become a very affordable bike. Um, the CBR 600 is gone. So, I mean, you just look at it and GSX-R 600 hasn't changed since about 1972. So you sit there and you look at all this stuff, right? It's not you sit fair, there and you look, It's 1978-ish. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. You, you look at all that stuff and you think maybe, you know, and Ducati's pretty good about changing up their stuff yearly from one year to the next. And, um, but the BMW side of it is really interesting to me because they've just had that bike out for a year and already they're making some pretty big changes. And I'm really interested to see where that program goes going into next year in the World Superbike Forum side of things. And with the super concessions for Honda and and, and BMW for next year, um, I think I think both those guys get like the super concessions that we've been, we've been talking about. Um, with a new model coming out from BMW, will that get them a little bit closer? Um, you know, Eugene Laverty's been pretty outspoken about we've got to get this bmw right because it's the best package he's ever started with as far as just jumping on it now there's a few things they got to tweak so you know um 
Ducati and BMW might just be taking a page out of, you know, out of something they've seen in the past where let's let, let like everybody's kind of back and away. Let's jump in and see where it goes. It'd be interesting to see if the Japanese respond again, or if they just hold true, because speaking of Yamaha, Jason, what you're talking about, mm-hmm. they're kind of moving in a different direction. A story was posted by Sean Bice on Moto America's website. Bice talks about the Yamaha YZF R9. It's a rumor to be coming out. I mean, we pretty much know it's coming out. It's, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense if it does. The MT-07 comes out for Yamaha, and then we see the R7 pop up into the market. The MT-09 is out, and that's going to become the R9. It's an 890cc triple that makes 117 horsepower. However, Jay, what we're looking at with that triple 899 or 890 is a replacement for the R6 in the you know next generation super sport super sport class. Right. right. So it's you know. I think the idea is somewhere around 130 horsepower. So it's going to take still a little bit of tweaking here and there for the MT-09 to be competitive, as opposed to taking power out of the, the GSX-R 750, taking power out of the Ducati uh, V2, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But still, it looks like a, a, you know, <laughs> Yamaha is still going to be in the mix there. So what do you think about that shift, about taking kind of a universal platform like an MT-07, MT-09, turning it into a race bike? Your thoughts on that stuff? Kind of cool seeing a company want to go that direction with such a mainstream sport bike. Uh, it's definitely a disconnect from what they've done. But, you know, they took a chance with the design of the motor of the R1 as well. Right, Greg? So it's like they've, you know, Yamaha, if you look at what they've done and and staying proactive with year to year and what they want to do and making big, big adjustments to their lineups, I think that this thing's actually pretty exciting. I saw a picture of it somewhere. And I thought, man, that thing looks really nice. And, um, you know, they're going to stay in the game. Obviously, this is just a little bit different way of doing it. Yeah. Now, it's an artist so, rendition yeah, of cool. what they think the bike's going to look like. I understand that. And But ICMA is coming up, which is the big motorcycle show where people do their launches. I think it's coming up next week. Yeah. So hopefully, information will be out about that. And then we'll be on the phone with Teague Dane from Moto America talking about, you know, homologations and stuff like that. Because, you know, Jay, there's also some stories going around that, you know, that, this or this team might want to race the um, the Aprilia RSV eleven hundred mm-hmm. blah blah blah, but you know there's been no movement on homologation. Like that's kind of a step forward. So there's one last news item that's not in the rundown that I wanted to talk about, and that is uh-huh. uh, Petrucci. Petrucci ended up doing a podcast with the folks at Crash.net, ah. and he was talking about you know they were asking him obviously about GP. Would you go back? And he's like, look, I'm an XL rider. Okay, I'm I'm too tall and I'm too fat. Can't do it. Don't want to do it. But he said, looking at it, my options right now are Moto America or World Superbike. Now, he did point out that obviously Ducati is knee-deep in a MotoGP battle. And it's not like Ducati Course is some massive company. They're a little wrapped up in Valencia. So I'm sure that the talks will happen as to what Petrucci is going to do. What is interesting, though, is he did say, and he, he told us before as well. Somebody in the podcast, they asked him about the Dakar. Yeah. And he said, look, I don't want to do the 2023 Dakar. But the 2024, I'm very interested in doing that. So my thought is, if he's really focused on doing that, and I know he really wants to do that more than he wants to race, you know, a road race bike, it would make more sense for him to do Moto America, which ends before October 1st next year, and be able to recover and train for the Dakar that starts in January than it would be to do World Superbike, which goes until the end of November or something, right? Like they, yeah, they, yeah. there's still two rounds left in World Superbike and they don't even go until the 11th, 12th, 13th or whatever. So my thought is, is that my guess is that Petrucci 
would stay in Moto America if he wants to continue road racing. I hope he does. I mean, that'd be great if he did. I think that coming back and having another shot at this place would be would be great for him. And I think we'd all be, you know, licking our chops to see, you know, Gagne and Cam Peterson with Petrucci and Cam Bobier and uh, some other people, I think that would really be great for our series. That said, I don't know what would really be available for Petrucci right now in World Superbike. I mean, a lot of the official rides seem like they're taken. So I don't know really know what ride that would be that would be available for him to go to World Superbike. Um, you know, I don't see that door being something that's that open. Uh, maybe it's maybe he's talking about it, but I don't see him going there. And I don't really know where else where else he would go. Um, that said, if he, if he's thinking about coming back here next year, it'd be great if he, you know, maybe train the way he used to train a little bit and get himself more prepared. Cause that was kind of what we'd always heard is, is he's not as fit as he maybe would have liked to have been, you know, he always looked worn out and we know the talent obviously is there. He can race with these guys. Um, and even like at the end of the year, he was talking about recovery and how, tired he is and I'm, and I'm thinking well we only had 10 rounds and there are two races a weekend like can you imagine how hard moto gp must have been um with what was he doing then 17 or 19 rounds and i know it was only yeah. one race but it's still pretty grueling on those bikes you know the, the with, travel the, the whole yeah yeah oh yeah yeah for sure Plus, so we were at you know 30 minute races or 33 minute races they were at 46 minute races correct yeah so it was a lot more hard it was a lot harder for him i think so um, yeah, it would be great to see him get back here and, um, you know, continue to continue to push our series forward. Anyways, it's 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 it'd be great to have him here. I think the thought of the updated Pentagalli in 2023 trim, which we've seen at Lorenzo Zanetti's Instagram when he has finished testing the Superbike, basically, and, and what they're going to deliver the mm-hmm. 2023 Pentagalli V4. And it was like all black body work and he was doing practice starts on it. And you're like, oh, yeah. So getting, and from what I've heard, that that bike will be coming to the U.S. and made Amazing. ready and available for the season. So you get him a new bike that's redesigned, some extra bits and pieces on it, you know, perhaps work better with you know the, the Dunlops, a little yeah. bit more time to prepare for it. He's not coming off of an injured you know, Dakar and all of a sudden right. you know, plops here in a couple months. I think it would make sense. And time yeah. away from the States and time to reflect on what really happened this season, I think uh, it would... I agree with you. It'd be good to have him back. I mean, having Petrucci here, having Bobier, hopefully, you know, that contract gets done and he comes back to the States and then having obviously our key players of Gagne and Skultz and Westby, Cameron Peterson. You know, the, you know, with Skultz and all that. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. it'll be, it, it, it would be great. And I don't know right now who else I would put on that Ducati other than Petrucci. Like, where would they go get? Who are they going to go get? Like, who would they go get at that stage? It's like... You know, you, you, well, I, I listen, I can tell you this, that Heron's in line to get that ride if Petrucci says no. And mm-hmm. the last I spoke with Josh a few weeks ago, he was pretty fired up about the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like his mindset of, you know, getting race fit and doing all those kinds of things. So there is somebody to fill that spot. You know, I just don't know what would happen beyond that. But anyway, mm-hmm. so there's your news presented by R.I. Which means on to our next topic, Jack Wagon. Craig's flipping me off. I love it. Um, I'm not flipping him off. It's, it's just not very nice. You're just not a very nice guy, G Dub. Um, you want me to tell tell people we, what you were doing? Are we going to talk about really? You want me to talk about fantasy and MotoGP? What what do I possibly? No, let's talk have? about MotoGP. No, it's MotoGP. Yeah, but you got reviewing, I see what reviewing, it says, but fantasy re- is yeah. just 
yeah, fantasy. No, we got to talk about fantasy so too, but that's that. we're not talking about fantasy. We're going to talk about well, we got to talk about fantasy because fantasy is important. As- shut up, G Dub. Just shut up. You're a God. dick. You just don't stop, do you? Just shut up. Anyways, hi kettle, meat pot. <laughs> MotoGP this weekend in Valencia, G Dub. Boy, I wish this points gap was just a little bit closer. I think it would make it a lot more fun, wouldn't it? If it was um a little bit closer, but things are coming down to the wire between um. Obviously, between Petrucci and Quadraro, the two main guys here at the end. And when you really look at the last, say, five rounds, you can really see, unfortunately, Quadraro's had, had some bad luck. The last round he put in at Sepang, amazing. Um, you know, I got to think this weekend, G-Dub, where I don't think either one of those two guys will win. I, I think if either one of them has the opportunity, it's going to be Quadraro. I think Ducati is going to be telling all their Ducati riders to do whatever they possibly can to win this last race. Because basically, unless Quadraro wins, he can't win the championship. So... It is going to be an all-out gang up on Fabio Quattararo in Valencia. And um, even if he wins, it still probably will not be enough. <clears throat> so I think... Well, um, but, but let's talk about that, Jay. Have you looked up weather? Seen... Have you looked up weather? No, but I will in a second. But I want to put this bug in your ear, okay? Yeah. We've seen Pekka lead races and throw it down the road. So he's been under pressure and he's collapsed. Lately, yeah. he definitely seems like he has solved that problem. Mm-hmm. But this is his first time where he's looking at a MotoGP World Championship. You have a big lead. Basically, yeah. the the only saving grace I see is if he falls off the bike and doesn't score points, he'll need someone else to win. I mean, Quattaro yeah. has to win, and and Peko has to score zero points. Right. But yeah. if for some reason, Jason, it doesn't feel like a slam dunk to me. Not like if it was Mark Marquez yeah. or... Not like if it was Valentino Rossi in his heyday, you'd be like up championship over. And I know that a lot of journalists are saying, hey, you know, like this thing is like they're already doing stuff like what? You know, stories are coming out like, oh, let's look at the success of the the GP Ducati bike over the years. And it's like it's everybody's gifted it to them. But it's they still got a race, man. Anything can right. happen. So I get it. Am yeah, I am could, I just the thing could being break. like this? Or? No, no, no. I think that we're because yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I have both been around racing for so long. We've seen so many crazy things happen. And. You know, it's it's never over till it's over, as they say. And you know, if the Ducati, if, if Peko makes a mistake, gets cleaned out, you know, inadvertently gets cleared out or cleaned out, um, or if you know, what if it rains? What if it, it could it could rain? Nope. I haven't checked it. Nope. It's going to stay nice, is it? I'm telling you good? right now, 72 degrees is the high oh, on Friday with so some clouds. Perfect. 75 and bright sunshine. I know. 69 on Sunday. Rain Ugh. forecasted. 61 degrees on Monday. You want to talk Ugh. about dodging a bullet? Dodging and it goes like bullet. 58 degrees. Yeah, because they Wait test on Tuesday. They test on Tuesday no. afterwards. Wait, Jason, I'm lying to you. I'm Are you looking at Valencia in, in California? You dope. In Santa Clarita. Yeah. Yeah, you're an idiot. I knew you were doing it too. I'm like, that sounds like here. You're Yeah, it sounds exactly like there. Yeah. All right. So 76 and cloudy, 72 and sunny, 73 and sunny. So it's it's that's what it's, it's nicer. Like it's Valencia, nicer than Spain. here. <laughs> it's nicer, it's nicer than, here. than there. With no rain yeah. forecast for Monday, which I don't they test. Tuesday, Tuesday. Test I think Tuesday, they test Wednesday. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Seventy six and cloudy. Seventy six and cloudy. Oh on, wow! Or like partly cloudy, I should say. So weather's we're looking really good for the race, and it's looking good for uh, the test afterwards when people get to jump on bikes. And I have as much interest in what happens Tuesday and Wednesday as I do, you know, uh, over the race weekend. Um, so that's MotoGP. So good luck to, to everybody. I think obviously you called it, Jay. 23 deficit, 23 point deficit is massive. It's it's a nice story to carry it to the last race of the year. It's a storyline you can use. 10 years ago, we had the race come down to the last champ, you know, but all that kind of stuff. But I think the Pecco looks pretty good. 
there's some, you know, some of the stories that'll be kind of interesting to watch coming out of that place. Obviously, um, this is Suzuki's last race. It's going to be kind of sad and and probably, uh, sad. I think that those bikes are more than capable as we saw, you know, a couple rounds ago of winning, but I think this is a good track for Suzuki. Rins has always gone well. We saw Mir win a race here at uh, Valencia. It'd be amazing to see one of those guys uh, go out winning for Suzuki. Um, in yeah, but who regard. do you give the nod to? Who do you give the nod to? I'd say at this stage, you give it to Rins. I just don't know if uh, Mir is healthy enough. He's got that arm problem right now. No, of everybody he- in the paddock, who do you think will win? You think a Suzuki will win? Oh, of, of for the whole race. Wow. For the whole race. You know, I don't. I, can I want see, you to keep uh, in mind. I want you to yeah. keep in mind. Two thirds of the corners at Valencia are left-handers. I know. I already put Marquez on my team, but the thing okay. is, is that <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is that you look at like um, I think I think Jorge Martinez is going to be tough here. Bastianini is going to be tough. Those guys are going to be trying to win the race. So, and everybody's going to be trying to keep away from Bagnaya on a Ducati. So the, the thing I <laughs> yeah. the thing I look at the thing I look at more than anything is wherever. Bagnaya qualifies when they go running off into turn one. The only people that are going to really be racing Bagnaya are the ones that aren't are, aren't another brand. Um, I think if you yeah, have I was going to say who do, who's Ducati's, the dope? Who who do you look yeah. at and say who's the dope that could clean him out? Well, I yeah, I'm not. You can't say names, Alex Marquez. He's it. going to Ducati. There's no chance Alex Marquez does it. Yeah, and that's another one. It's going to be there, when you say the testing thing is going to be interesting. I'm with you. I'm looking forward to see Jack Miller on the KTM. I'm looking forward to seeing yes. Alex Marquez on the Ducati. Um, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what Oliveira does on an Aprilia. So, there are a lot of storylines going in. Maybe not as many as last year. Obviously, with Valentino retiring and, and Petrucci leaving the MotoGP paddock because those were some pretty cool scenes. Um, you know, last year. But you know, I just I'm, I'm looking at this thing, Greg, and it's like. Uh, what was it? Was it three rounds ago? You know, Bagnaya has gone three, three, one, his last, his last three Grand Prix. Quattararo has gone 17th, no finish and third. I mean, that mm. is, and now you got this points gap. It's just so crazy. Like had Quattararo, you know, I mean, he didn't score any points in Australia. And in the round before that, he ends up 17th and you just sit there and you go, wow, it's pretty wild to look back on and see, what's happened to him. So yeah, it's going to be fun weekend. Um, you know, obviously we're going to see cam do his last moto two race as well, uh, which will be interesting. Um, sad, so moto two almost, is, but mo- moto yeah, two that championship still one and a half to two forty two. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I'm still bitter with your boy, Agura. I'm still bitter about it. Does he have a chance? So, I mean, they all have a chance Nine and, and a that's, half. that's a class there though, that, that it's really easy to finish fifth, you know? So if like a girl wins mm-hmm. and Fernandez, what he think he's got to finish fourth or fifth. It's really easy to have that. Not there's still, it's pretty much whoever beats whoever there. Um, yeah. Okay. I go with that. But yeah. it's like both of them again, Raul Fernandez slid off at Phillip Island and it was just like the weirdest crash ever. Cause he just didn't look like he was doing anything, anything wrong. Where Agura last week or a couple weeks ago there in Sepang was just, overriding a bike that he didn't need to override on and he could have kind of waltzed into Valencia with a 14 point lead or whatever it was going to be. And he's just balls it all up. So moto two will be interesting. Obviously moto three is going to be a a crazy race because the championship's all done there. I think Sergio Garcia is trying to get a second place wrapped up for himself for that team um, Mm -hmm. with Guevara already winning the championship. So there'll be some storylines. It's going to be fun. I won't be here. 
I'll be I'll be uh, at Chuck Walla watching it though. So we'll be probably um, glued to a TV somewhere out there watching all the action. We'll plan on having Bobier on probably in December. Well, I haven't asked yeah. him, but he, he normally doesn't say no. Also, I spoke with Jason Wygant, as you saw on Twitter. Uh, I guess, you know, our commentary from Barber from two years ago when it was that wet Barber, that crazy one, it made it on Joe Rogan's podcast. And so some people yeah. tweeting about it thinking it was Wygant. And Jason, as cool as he is, kind of cleared that up and said it was you and I actually doing it. So that was, that was pretty neat. Uh, and I tweeted yeah. out trying to get Joe Rogan to come to a race. I mean, you know. I wish I could announce the schedule, but Joe Rogan lives in Texas, right, Jay? You know, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, I think for some reason so. he lives in Texas. So anyway, a tweet's never going to get to him. My tweet will never get to him, but you never know. I know some yeah. people that know some people, and maybe we'll try to get him to a Moto America race and get him two up on a bike so he can experience it himself. But nonetheless, um, the thing is, Jason, <laughs> I talked to Wygant, and we will have him on at the beginning of December. So be thinking yeah. about questions you want to ask him. There's been so many changes that are going to be happening to the Supercross Motocross paddock in terms of how the series are run, how they're combining them, this this super motocross thing that's going to happen at the end of like in September where they're going to have three races. So there's a lot to talk to him about, obviously, personnel changes and things like that. Uh, there's course, so much about motocross and supercross right now that I'm behind on. You know what I mean? You know, like I have, yeah, he'll get it. us all caught up on it. And why not? As we go into the supercross season, we will definitely have, uh, we, Jason and I will have a discussion once again as to what fantasy league we're going to do, but I'm sure that a will kick in a helmet and we'll do fantasy for supercross again this year and for the winners to win the helmet. Also, all that stuff will be good. And speaking of that, Jay, since we're on this topic, let's go let's ahead and it. take a look at MotoGP fantasy. I'm okay, making a big comeback this weekend. Yeah, okay. So, so it starts in, for me. You're in 240 what? <laughs> first. <laughs> 241st. All right. I'm, I'm in 24th. I'm in 24th. You have really solid. Oh, okay, okay. I had I had two two bad races this year where I didn't I kind of threw it down the road. I do have one turbo left and this is why I kind of wanted to have that conversation, Jay. It's like, look, people, here's our here's our fantasy advice. If you turbo Peko Bagnaya, you're a moron. Okay, the guy's not going for the win. He's going for the world championship. He's not going to put it at risk. So I probably, <laughs> if you had him on your team, probably. Audience, lo- audience loves being called morons, g They're They're appreciative of that. I'm That's just great. saying if you turbo Peko. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, go on. What? Well, huh? I can tell you this. As we tell talk me, about us. three SMC champs. We talked about it last podcast. They have one turbo left. So it is Hey MF. So it is in last place. They're one, two, three. It is like 11 and a half points difference between the top. Anything could happen from third place to the leader is 33 points. Is that right, Jay? 196 to 209. I'm looking. Hold on. Yep. Third third place still has a chance. It's close. Because if you look at the last round, Hey MF scored 189 points. And SMC champs only scored 137. Uh-huh. If if they have another race wow. weekend like that, and and this is the thing, this is going to be a very difficult week weekend to predict, in my opinion, because so many people have so many different things at stake. Whether it's wow. you know it, who's going to help Peko, who's not going to help Peko, is he going to get snug? Is he going to throw it down the road? Like so, is it okay? Peko's not going for the win, so. Hey everybody else on a Ducati! If you're not around Peko, it's free. One of the who's the guy yeah. who does Crash.net, McEwen or something like that. He said something like I read just a just a headline that said he thinks it's unprofessional if Ducati doesn't 
do team orders. I think really? at this point you don't need to tell them anything. I think no, now you just, you just riders, race now. Now it's up to Bagnaia to just it's up to Bagnaia to stay out of trouble. It doesn't really matter. They they Ducati needs everybody to go try to win the race. Ducati, just if go anybody, try to win the race. Yeah, if anybody, it, but you know, not wins, to clean the guy Bagnaia out. Wins the championship. Yeah. yeah, 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 and then everybody celebrates. You're not gonna clean the guy out, but in terms of like Bastianini at this point, it'd be like, dude, I've had it. I'm going to win the race, and he he deserves a race win at this point. Jorge Martin, Bastianini. I mean, Bedzecki's been riding amazing. Um, there's there's a small list of Ducati riders that could go out and win this race. Jack Miller. Um, there, you know, there's a small list of riders on Ducati. There's probably four that legitimately could go win this race right now. They're going to have to battle with Suzuki's. They're going to have to battle Mark Marquez. They're going to have to battle Alicia Spargro. Those are the non Ducati runners that are going to be trying to win the race as well. Um, you know, for Quadraro, he's got to go win and then just the chips fall wherever they fall. You know, like we just, like I just said, the last, last three rounds, you know, two out of the last three rounds have really killed Quadraro. And, you know, now, now Pecco can go into this weekend and, and GW, the crazy part is, is like you and I discussed, let's say for argument's sake that Quadraro is out front and he's leading and Bagnaia has a problem. Well, all these Ducatis just start to go backwards to finish behind Bagnaia. That's, that's something that we don't want to see. I don't want to see like, you know, I don't want to see Bagnaia have any problems. I just want him to go try to win the championship the best way he can. But let's say he slid off gets the bike back up, picked it up, and he's coming from the back like Rossi did with Nikki, you know, however many years ago that was. Um, God, what would that have been, G-Dub? That's 06, dude. It was 06, 18 years, years ago, ago, 17, 18. Just crazy, yeah. So so when you look at when you look at that, I mean, can you imagine if there would have been eight Yamahas on the grid that day? Mm. Would all those guys start to go backwards to help Rossi get more – you know, go further forwards, right? So mm-hmm. that that scenario could play could play out, like in the sense that – all these Ducati riders, I, you would hope that they wouldn't pull over. There's no rule against it, um, but but yeah, it would be pretty wild. It'd be a wild scene if Quattro is out front leading and and um, Pecco's out of the points because of for whatever problems, and all these guys went back. It would be really interesting to see how that would play out. Do you see the best NASCAR finish in the history of the world, by the way? Pr- happened Sunday. Sunday. Our boys... When I was sitting at... Uh, when we went, I was at Chuck Wall all weekend, and Tim and Tony came out. And they had me cracking up because they come to the wall. They're like, Jay, you got to see the finish of this race. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll take well, we'll take a look at it type of thing. And they were both like, and I'm like, were there fighting? He's like, there was no fighting. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is all about. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. That's how brilliant. I mean, it just literally looked like you had crash damage off on a video game. And he just went full like. Just went I full mean, send. Full the send. Fact that, the fact that you can think that way is so sick it was pretty it was pretty wild apparently apparently he shifted into fifth gear and then pinned it is what is what i've to do since and no one had used fifth gear anywhere the the entire weekend but it was available so that i don't follow nascar at all anymore like at all i don't follow it at all i know raj does um but it was chastain i think it was who got himself and i think it was it was i can't remember who it was if it was childress or one of the main car owners were like, that was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen until I realized it kicked us out of the championship. <laughs> um, Dude, they so, did. They yeah. cut. I mean, to NASCAR's credit, they have so many cameras. Like, they have cameras in the car and stuff and in communication. And so later, like the next day, or maybe it was Tuesday this week, they did a rip where they just started pulling all the audio and the onboard footage from all the people that were around him. The people that he passed and every single Elliot person Sadler is like, what the hell? Yeah. I, I saw that. Like, but yeah. nobody pooped on it. No, no. And, and you know how your initial reactions probably 
it's pretty telling. And everybody was like, whoa, that was like, because you know, everybody's thought about it. Everybody's thought about it since that stupid Thighs of Thunder movie with Tim Cruise. Everybody yeah, you thought say about that. It. You say that, but we've never seen it. And it's like, never this seen actually it. happened. No, it's like, no, it's and, but wild. everybody's thought about it. And the dude, the fact that this dude had the sack to do it. And after post race, I finally found an interview with him. And the, the, the pit reporter walks up to him, sticks a mic in his face. And Chastain was just like, ugh, ugh. Like, I mean, he just put it, he just put them on the map. Like, again, like, like NASCAR needed that, but he legitimately was like, like, here it is. That's what I'm doing. And he did it. Right. Yeah. It was so pretty impressive. if you're NASCAR, do you react in a stupid way and put a rule in that says you can't do that? Yeah. That's something I don't even know what you would do at this stage. I mean, literally, it's just like, you go like, whoa, but it's, it's. It can really only happen on the last lap. You can't do it any time before that. You and it can it on only the last lap. Again, I'm out of my bounds here, just knowing the Me NASCAR too. that I Me used too. to know. Me too. It only could really happen on a, I think effectively on a short track because there's too much like you couldn't do it at like a Talladega and stuff, just or with Daytona, the lines that they take and everything. Daytona, nah. Because yeah. it would but slow you down too much. Place, this is a place where you actually have to yeah. break. Yeah, like one of yep. those little mile tracks. It's like a place you gotta break to get into the corners and but but why wouldn't somebody do that in qualifying now? Did you think about that? Like, do you think about like somebody does like, that? In, imagine then, then you make a rule. You're trying to get yeah. you're trying to get pull, so you're the last guy out, and you go into turn one there, like normal or one two, whatever they call it, and then you just hold it pinned down the back straightaway and run around the wall all the way to. Okay, to, I can see a rule for qualifying. Uh, right? they, I was thinking the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. got to happen yeah, that, because they, be imagine. Plus, the car owners would just be like. All right, our cars are going to get destroyed now in qualifying because everyone's going to run the wall on the you know in qualifying. That, that's it. Lap, I mean, the right? budget the budget for NASCAR would literally double overnight because <laughs> everybody's like, track. "All right, yeah." I mean, dude, the sponsorship on the wall, the money would go up. All right, last thing before I let you go because we're obviously yeah. this is a short one. We you know short have one, yeah, yeah, up. yeah. What is your opinion on the debate that's going around now about a white a rider bike weight limit for World Superbike? Which would probably, you know what I mean, for, for, for the large, just say the premier class in general. What are your thoughts about that? Because you and I have been around racing long enough where we've seen this stuff come up and down, up and down, up and down, depending on who's doing what. I Man, see. G-Dub, this is, a, this is a, a topic for a podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we could okay. do a full podcast. Yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. It, it, No, I'm going to answer it because there are so many variables that you have to take into play. Okay. Um, there's just, there's almost too many because. You sit there and you, I just think it's very, very difficult to, it's very difficult to police it. Yeah, it's the same for everybody. I get it. Look, the problem is, is that we've ran away from what actual racing really is. Racing used to be build the best bike you can build, get the best riders you can get, put them on your bike and try to go win. Now that now that we're in this crazy world of we've got to balance everything to make things fair, I get it. We want good close racing. That's all fine. Um, but it's no longer manufacturers build the best bike you can build. It's okay, now you're gonna now you're gonna spend all this money to build the best bike you can build, and then we're gonna penalize you. And it's like I I to me, I don't like that feeling. I don't like the idea of, don't you think, G-Dub, that every manufacturer has the ability to build the best bikes they can build, right? Every one of them. Yes. And there's a certain, there's rules that you have to stay within to build the best bike. So build the best bike and maximize your motorbike to be 
um, at, at the highest level of what the rules will allow. And then let's line them up and race. I don't like the fact that we're trying to fix problems before the race starts of, you know, weight limits or deduct RPMs or whatever the case is. And the whole line of, well, this bike handles better than that bike. Again, I go, well, make that bike that doesn't handle this could make it handle better, right? I don't know. This is a wide open discussion for so much stuff. This is my take on it. I'm nearly six foot three and I'm better at volleyball than Roger Hayden. It's because yeah. this is the field of play. It, what are you going to do? Because, yeah. What, yeah, exactly. You're going to put, you're gonna I put race motorcycles. <laughs> I race motorcycles at 190 pounds and six foot three. You race motorcycles at six feet tall at 172 pounds or whatever. Yeah. You know, Aaron Yates made it work on a 600 and win 600 races and stuff when no one thought he could because he was a bigger rider. Like yeah. it's racing, man. Talent ends up, you know, bring going, you know, the, the cream rises to the crop kind of thing. Yeah. I think that this is where, when you look at Did the, you say it class, rises it, to the crop or to the top. Come no, on. the cream rises to the top. The, you say the, crop. The, I want everybody to listen to what you no, said. No, I said correct. cream rises to the crop. What I should have said is Jason you're, Pridmore's crap. You're a moron. That's what I should you're have said. You're a moron. Go yeah. on. Well, you're friends with a moron, so that makes you even worse. <laughs> yeah, All probably. Right? I by the Throwing way, stones in glass houses or some shit. Well, I don't know what that whole thing is. What do I know? Mm. Anyway, my point anyway. is, my point is, if you get to the top level of racing, it's not because of weight. When you look at a class like that's a spec class that's supposed to be an even playing field that showcases talent. Mm-hmm. I actually totally get a wider, a rider weight limit, like right? a, a combined weight. I understand that super sport with the balancing that they're trying to accomplish. I understand that there's a, there's a reason why there's a minimum weight limit, right? Yep. So in this particular case, I just think when you get to the premier classes and all the manufacturers are throwing all the technology on it, whatever, whatever, you know, all that stuff, you can't blame Ducati for being finding a rider who's unbelievably talented, who's small and you can't that, blame top rack for being a tall guy and having extra, well, yeah. like it's just, I don't think, I don't think balancing in superbike like that, the weight thing, I think it's a ridiculous argument. I don't think it ever should happen. Well, I, I just think that they just need to make it to her. Hey, build the best bike you can build and go from there. Like take all restrictions off and let them go. Like, because here's the thing, if we were going to do a spec bike class, let's say that you were going to do a spec bike, everybody's on the exact same motorcycle every single week and you're going to pull, you're going to pull out of a hat what bike you get that week. Say 20 bikes show up, there's 20 riders, you're going to pull out of a hat what bike you get. One weekend GW might get bike number 7, the next weekend you might get bike number 13, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um then you can kind of do a then then you got a spec class. So it's like then you could do something like that possibly. But when you're each manufacturer's building the best bikes that they can build. And I mean, look, don't we love technology? We just said at the beginning of this podcast, Ducati's coming out with a brand new bike. BMW just built a brand new bike and they're already making huge alterations to the bike to make the bike better. So now you're going to limit them or now you're going to punish them or now you're going to give one manufacturer more things than another. But the weight limit, I don't think would, I honestly, I honestly don't believe that the weight limit would fix what we're seeing right now in World Superbike. I don't think no, it would fix it. I agree. I mean, I there's agree. such a gigantic disparity between how fast Batista's bike is. And you know what? Congratulations to Ducati for building a bitchin' fast bike. 
it would be great if Batista just came out and said, hey, my bike rips. It is so fast and I'm taking advantage of it. And you know what? I'm riding it hard enough to through the corners to take advantage of it on the straightaways when maybe others aren't, right? Great. Yep. That, in, instead of him fighting his battle by saying that he thinks he's at a disadvantage because it takes his tires longer to warm up or using Danny Pedrosa as like, just stop it with all that bullshit. Just come out and say, Ducati's built me an incredible motorcycle that's extremely fast. And I can stay close enough to these guys and take advantage of what my bike is good at. Just say that. Like that's if I was Ducati, that's what I'd want him to say. I'd be like, hey, our bike's really fast. It's really good. Um, so yeah, I think that the the weight limit thing, I'm with you on it. I don't think it's the the thing that's gonna save it. I say open it up. Let Cowie build the most badass bike. Let BMW, let Honda, let them all build the best bike they can build. Give and them the, the other RPM thing, that they need. Give them this and that that they need. Whatever, and, clever. Yeah. And the whole thing is, G-Dub, like we're hearing it where, oh, the Ducati was was based off of Pirelli tires. Well, maybe they need to change that. Maybe they need to, you know, because they're going to go race other series in the world like, like Moto America. Maybe they need to have a test crew working on the Dunlop side of things too. Well, the, the Honda's built around Bridgestones. Well, maybe they need to change that. If they're going to go race a world championship on Pirelli tires, then maybe they need to start to design their bike the, a little bit different. Don't give concessions because a manufacturer's tied into a tire manufacturer that they've designed their motorcycle around. I don't understand that rule either. So, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to see the best bikes with the best riders on whatever brand of tire those guys wanted to run on. You know what I mean? Like, Agreed. bring back tire yeah. wars. I loved it. So bring back tire wars. Yeah. There's that a lot of so... things. There's, there's so many things there that, that, you know, I just think that we're trying to balance everything all the time. And it's like, because it's... at the end of the day, the crop rise to the cream. And that's yeah, very goes. nice. Yeah. You did a nice job with that one. Did a nice job with that one. Well, so next week, G-Dub, we got Valencia MotoGP to talk about, obviously. So, um, final race of the year in MotoGP. Real quickly, I was at Chuck Walla on the weekend. They had the second round out there. Um, I always like to tell you that uh, the people that are showing up out there, because um, we had Corey Alexander that ended up winning the shootout, and uh, Bryce Prince ended up second. Really good to see Bryce out there. Um, was he on his R1? He was on his Bryce. R1, and um, third was Anthony Norton and Jack Back in fourth. Those It's really good, too, because... I've watched both Anthony and Jack continue to improve, continue to get better. They're running right with, you know, leading Moto America guys now. And I think what an advantage to be able to go someplace, see the pace, learn from guys like Bryce and Corey Alexander and Michael Gilbert, David Anthony, and these guys um, that are racing Moto America all the time. Because when you see that pace, you know, you you hope that some of that's going to translate and transfer over to other venues, you know? Um, in the super sport class, Dave Kolstad came down from Pacific Northwest. If you remember David, he did our, a lot of our junior cup stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and we didn't get to see him at all this last year. He's been riding, um, uh, 600s up, up North and he came down and, and won the super sport, uh, super sport class. Um, Owen Williams won the junior cup, but Owen also rode a 600 G dub and it was, oh, he did. yeah, you know how sometimes you see people, um, you, you'll see kids or whatever in a smaller class and then they move up to a bigger class and they just look way more comfortable and way faster. He took one of Simon's bikes out. In fact, it's probably one of the ones you rode and, and went 48, six on that thing. Wow. And, and that's like for his first weekend out um, on a super sport configured motorcycle that really it's, it's just Simon's Simon's bike, you know, and, 
And uh, so, yeah, it, the grids were healthy. There was a lot of people out there. Um, weather was perfect. And, uh, you know, the track was great. You know, I heard all the complaints about the track last month. And it's like, listen, when it gets to 140 degrees anywhere in the world, anywhere, <laughs> when the track temperature gets to 140 degrees in the world, grip's not going to be very good. That's just the bottom line. And uh, this weekend uh, was was a great weekend. So, um yeah, so like looking forward to to next month with that. They they race at the beginning of December, I think, next month. Cool. All right. All right. Well, that'll do it for this podcast then, Jay. All right, everybody. Have a an awesome weekend. And G Dub and I will be back next Wednesday because I'm busy Monday, Tuesday, G Dub. So I'll be back on the mic with you next Wednesday talking about all things MotoGP moving forward. And uh until then, everybody have an awesome weekend. See you later. Bye.